Good morning. Man, it's great to see everyone here this morning. I want to welcome all our visitors and guests. We're always glad to have you here with us. And of course, we want to welcome those of you who worship the Lord that's online today as well. Man, it's been an awesome day today. It just feels so good outside. And uh, it looks like we made it some rain. And so, man, God is just so good and blessing us in so many ways. And uh, it just feels good. As you guys can see, right now we're in a series entitled Longing for Home, and we're talking about heaven. And if you're visiting with us today, and this is your first time, just know that if you've missed any of these lessons, you can, go, you can always go back to our church webpage. And if you go to our webpage, you go all the way up the top, there's a tab that will take you to YouTube, and you can go back and you can watch any of our previous lessons. We also have a church podcast for those of you who are tech savvy with your phone. And if you want to listen to any of these lessons as you're going down the road, you can download our church app. You can go back and listen to those previous lessons as well. And we also have a church Facebook page. So you can go back and, and find those lessons, or you can check out a lot of things we've got going on here at Central. But I want to encourage you to do that because I think this series will encourage you, and I hope that it will give you hope as you go back and listen to these lessons. I want to begin today by telling you guys a story, and uh, it's got a couple that was in their 80s, and they've been married for some 60 years. We have anybody that's been married for 60 years or more in here? Okay, good. We got a couple, and uh, this this couple, um, they were in really good shape, and the reason why is, man, the, the wife, she's very particular about what her and husband ate, and they also exercise every single day, but then they were in a tragic car accident, and both of them were killed, and they went to heaven, and they were met by Peter at the perfect gates, and he said, y'all come on in, and he said, let me show you around heaven, and the first place he takes them is to their mansion. And I mean, it is absolutely beautiful, and there's just this super nice uh, bedroom suite for them to live in, and there's a jacuzzi, and there's a pool in the backyard, and Peter's like, all this is yours, and uh, the the husband speaks up, he says, hang on one second, he says, how much is all this going to cost? And Peter kind of, you know, chuckles, and he says, look, man, he says, this is heaven. He says, everything is free. And you're like, oh, okay. And then Peter, he points to the golf course that butted up to their man. And he said, listen, you also need to know that you guys need to play on that golf course any time that you would like. He said the real cool thing about that course is, is every single day it changes to a different course. And he said, hey, listen, there are no tee times. You just show up and you play any time that you would like. How's that sound, Jack? Pretty good, yeah? Well, immediately the husband comes back and, and he says, well, man, how much are the greens? 
And I, I was just going to call up and Peter starts attacking again. And he says, you still don't get it. This is heaven. Everything is free. And then afterward, he takes them to the clubhouse. And there's this huge banquet hall where everyone eats. And man, there's food from, from everywhere. Just all kinds of delicious food. And, and the husband looks at Peter and he says, okay. He says, well, where's the line for, for no fat and no cholesterol and gluten-free and organic? And, and Peter says, you, you still don't get it. This is, this is heaven. You can have all the cholesterol you want, all the fat you want. You no longer have to eat anything that's gluten-free or organic. And he said, and it's no cost to you. You just eat whatever you want to eat and it's legit. And it was at that point the, the husband took off his hat and threw him in the dirt and made him just furious and he's angry. And, and, and Peter says, what's wrong with you? And he points to his wife. He says, it's her fault. He says, what do, you, what do you mean? And he says, well, he says, I could have been here 10 years earlier. She had to make me eat a blasted grandmother. <laughs> now, here's the question. Why is it that when someone starts talking about heaven and they mention rooms and they mention food and they mention uh, you know places to play, we assume that we are hearing from heaven? In other words, why are our thoughts of the physical almost always separated from the spiritual? I know on Wednesday night, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was teaching the teens, and I asked them, I said, when you think about heaven, what do you think about? And the very first, the very first thing that one of the teenagers brought up was this. I think about fog or, or a mist and, and lots of clouds and, and spirits. And the question is, where, where did all that come from? I think that's what most people think about when they think about heaven, something that's mythical rather than biblical. Something that's influenced more by the Greeks than it is by God. And, and really, if we want to, you know, pull it all down and say, okay, where, where did really all of this, this type of philosophy come from? I think we could, we could take it all the way back to a guy by the name of Plato. How many of you have heard of Plato before? Plato was a philosopher, and he had this philosophy that matter is evil and the spirit is good, and it's called dualism. And, and Plato believed that the goal for mankind was to be released from the body which was so debased. And that philosophy dominated the world. And, and it actually creeped in to the early church. In fact, it showed up in a heresy called Gnosticism. You see, if you believe that the body is equal, then what do you do with the incarnation of Christ? Well, you basically have to, to deny it. And that's what the, the Gnostics did. They said that Jesus wasn't really a man. He, he looked like a man, but really he was a spirit just in the appearance of a man. And so John writes in 2 John chapter 1, verse 
verse 7, to refute that ideology. He says, I say this because many white church deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus came in a white church, a real body. And listen to what he says about it. Such a person is a what? A deceiver and the Antichrist. You see, this philosophy, it, it was starting to creep in the early church. And, and it had a, a huge influence on the church then, and, and it, it continues today. That's why there are people today that believe that if you live ascetic or uh, abstinent life and, and you punish your body, that, that you are holy. Because the body is evil and, and you're supposed to subdue it. It's, it's why the idea arose that if you really wanted to serve God, then you have to make a vow of celibacy because again, you are denying your body. And this philosophy, again, not only had its influence in the early church, but it's still having its influence today. A poll was taken. And two-thirds said they believed that in the next life, we would not have bodies. That we would simply be spirits. And as I said earlier, that goes all the way back to Plato, but really it goes all the way back to Satan. Because Satan is the father of lies. And, and so all of these lies, they originate with Satan. And really there are three things that Satan loves to lie about. He loves to lie about God the person. He loves to lie about God's people. And he loves to lie about God's grace. And the reason he loves to lie about heaven is because he is a victim in heaven. You see, Satan was an angel, and at one time he lived in heaven, but Satan rebelled against God, and so he was kicked out of heaven. We see this in Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. It says, Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole, the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And so notice, Satan was kicked out of heaven, and so now he would spread untruths about it. And one of the misconceptions that he spreads the most is the notion that the material, the physical, is bad. And yet the very first time the word good is used in the Bible, it's talking about God's physical, material, tangible creation. You see, the Bible doesn't condemn the material, it condemns materialism. And that's where the creative worships, or that's where the, the, the created finds more important the things that are created than the creator himself, but God doesn't condemn material in and of itself. And so I think some people are going to be shocked when they in the afterlife. I don't believe that heaven is going to be like 
Hollywood paints it in, or portrays it in, in movies where it's a, a bunch of clouds and mist and fog and, and a bunch of invisible spirit. In fact, I believe from Scripture there are three things that we expect when we get to heaven. And here's the first. We will live in a very real place. We will live in a very real place. You know, when you start to study Revelation chapter 21 and Revelation chapter 22, these scriptures make reference to heaven. It talks about structures and dimensions and rooms and, and scenery, but oftentimes people read Revelation 21 and 22 and they say, well, that's not to be taken literally. And again, that's because we're still being influenced by that old philosophy but when you try and, and separate yourself from that type of thinking, as we read some passages of Scripture that refer to heaven. Okay? And we're going to start with John chapter 14, verse 2. And these are the actual words of Jesus. He said, My father's what? House has many what? Rooms. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Notice what Jesus says about heaven. There, there's going to be a real dwelling place. Right? And, and he says, if, if that wasn't so, if that wasn't the case, he, he says, I, I'm going to tell you. Also, you look at what the Hebrew writer wrote. The, the Hebrew writer consistently, constantly throughout the book of Hebrews refers to heaven as a city. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 16. But they were looking for a better place. And the thing there is Abraham the patriarchs. Okay? But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a white church out a city for them. In Hebrews chapter 14, or 13 rather, verse 14, he says, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the what? The city that is to come. And then John goes on to describe that city. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, he talks about the length and the width of the city. He talks about what it's made of. He talks about the gates of that city and how the city doesn't need any light there from the, the sun and the moon because it's illuminated by God himself. He talks about rivers and streets and, and trees and then God and then Paul comes along and he makes it clear that God's purposes in Christ included the redemption of more souls of people. Look at Romans chapter 18. Notice what Paul writes, or Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18. He says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's what church? To God's curse. And that's important to know. Stop right there and think about that for a moment. It wasn't just mankind that was cursed. All creation 
was subject to the curse. Okay, keep reading. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Now, when Paul says that all creation groans as in the pains of childbirth, what does that metaphor because you see, so oftentimes when think, people think about the return of Jesus, what they think about is the earth being completely destroyed and disappearing forever. But childbirth suggests what creation is looking forward to, which is a new future, a glorious new deliverer. You see, Christ's victory will redeem everything affected by the victory of Christ is so much larger than the way we often think of it as being. And, and Lord willing, we're going to talk about that a lot more in our last lesson next week. But I want you to understand that heaven is a real place. And here's also what we can expect. In heaven, we will have... Now, Gnosticism had no use for the Bible, but, but God does. I, I think most people uh, believe that these earthly bodies are basically just a shell to hold what's really important, which is our spirit. But here's the thing our body is important to God. In fact, God made the body first, and then He breathed. The spirit into it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. There has never been a human being without a body. But here's the problem with these bodies they are cursed by sin, subject to decay, unable to inherit the kingdom of God. But listen, our hope is not to be delivered from our bodies, our hope is to have. think about a story I heard about um, a family that lived out in the country. And they had never been to the big city before, and so they decided they were going to go to the big city to see what all the fuss was about. And so Paul called the little giant, they get in the truck, and they head out to the city, and they, they get there, they're blown away. I mean, there's skyscrapers everywhere. They've never seen anything like it. And, and so Paul says, you know what, I, I want to go inside one of these places. Well, Mom said, I said, well, I'll just sit in the truck, and you and little Johnny and all, and I'll go in, and, and y'all can check it out. And, and so Paul and little Johnny, they, they go inside one of the skyscrapers, and, and they were really fascinated by these silver doors that kept opening and closing, opening and closing. And then all these numbers of other shining doors, you know, just kept uh, blinking on and off. Well, as they were watching these silver doors open and close, all of a sudden there was an elderly lady on the train and she came walking up. And she came up to the elevator and she pushed the button and the doors opened up and she walked in and the doors closed. And then all the, the numbers began to, to light up. And then all of a sudden those doors 
Everything that you are, everything that was affected by the curse is going to be reconciled to the king. He goes on to talk about this in Philippians chapter 3, which is going to be but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return to our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and white church and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which we will bring, or he will bring everything under his control. And so notice our glorified body will one day stand before the body who redeemed it. And surely looking to our last morning, not only can we expect to live in a real place and have a real body, but also we can expect to be with a real Lord. A Lord that we can see. And then what we celebrate every Easter, we celebrate the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in Luke chapter 24, there's this really neat story about these two guys. Jesus has already died and, and is buried and risen from the grave. They don't know it. And so they're super sad about what happened to Jesus. And they're on this road to Emmaus and they're talking about it when Jesus shows up. And after a while, Jesus reveals himself to them. And they get super excited. And so they go running back to the other disciples. And they begin to tell the other disciples what they saw when out of the blue Jesus shows up before all of them. And this is what happened. In chapter 24, 36, and 39, and just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly just came to them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled, frightened, thinking that he was a ghost. Jesus says, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubts? He says, look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Look at what he says. Touch me. And make sure that I'm not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I And he spent several days talking to him about the kingdom of heaven. And then in Acts chapter 1, he's ascending back into heaven. Before his disciples, the two angels are there. And this is what they say to, to those who were there that day watching Jesus return to heaven. Acts 1 verse 11. In Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring at heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way, what church? You saw him go. Isn't that interesting? Someday when we live in a little place, we will be able to walk, talk, eat with, and serve. Until then, the question is this. What do we do? Right, and until then, what, how do we deal with the things that we're dealing with here on this, this cursed earth? 
this last week, how it's okay to grumble. Right? Because we, we live in a world of sickness and, and, and death and, and decay, and, and oftentimes we, we get tired of all that, right? When, when things get really hard, man, we get, we get tired of it. And, and so Paul says, you know, sometimes just like all creation, we, we grow and it's, it's okay. Now remember, like I told you last week, growing is not the same as death. And it's okay to, to grow on And it's okay to lean on the comforter, our helper, the Holy Spirit, who God has, has given us to calm our fears and our anxiety and to comfort us and to help us fallen world. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14 verses 26 through 28 about the Holy Spirit. He said, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I told you. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world can't give. So don't be troubled and Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. When it's the Holy Spirit is a gift from God, help us manage this life that we're living in this fallen world. But also, Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit is given to us as Christians as a guarantee that everything that Jesus has told us about is true. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 4 through 5. Paul says that while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh, but it's, it's not that we want to die and, and get rid of these bodies that clothe us, rather, we want to put on our new bodies. And he says again, so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his one church, his Holy Spirit. And so we cope by groaning and leaning and, and hoping in the coming and complete redemption of God through Jesus Christ. And, and I told you all this, you began to understand the whole point of the cross. Right? The, the whole point of the cross was, was for Jesus to redeem more than just some invisible spirits. You see, I, I think oftentimes our, our view of what Jesus has done is way too puny. Everything will be redeemed from the curse. Everything will be reconciled. Listen to what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. I know a lot of time, so I'll wrap it up with for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled my church and everything to himself. He made peace with my church and everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And that good news. The curse will be completely. We're going to a real place and we'll have a real life and we will be 
Father, again, we're just so grateful for 